Your day has just begun. Yeah! But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Yeah! Hashtag NFL. You put this forward, and this is the best 16-game schedule that Howard Katz was able to come up with. But Howard Katz, normally this time of year, and then he's the person at the league office who oversees all this, would be maybe having some champagne and kicking his feet up and relaxing for 30 seconds. That's not what's happening on Park Avenue. There is meeting after meeting after meeting and contingency planning after contingency planning after contingency planning because they absolutely positively don't know. How could they? They're football people. They're not the brightest minds at the CDC, and the brightest minds at the CDC don't seem to know exactly how this is going to play out. So certainly there are caveats attached. CBS Sports' Jason LaConfora talking about the upcoming NFL schedule release. That'll be on Thursday. They'll show us something, but there's a plan B, plan C, plan D all behind that. So, But we're looking for any scrap of news, so... We'll just take this, embrace it, and then wait for whatever change happens down the line. Who is Howard Katz? We should talk about some guy, Howard Katz. He's a guy at the uh, NFL, some assistant commissioner, vice president in charge of His scheduling. His job does the schedule every year. Uh, well, Howard Katz. Who knew? They've already announced they've taken a couple things out of the schedule that normally happen. They're not going to try to play any games in London or any games in Mexico City. More traveling and the situation in both countries. They've got all kinds of issues. So they're going to play all the games in the U.S. this year. Jacksonville isn't going to London. A major- I hope I can get a refund. A majority of sports fans surveyed by ESPN said they're in favor of watching televised sports with no fans rather than waiting for sports to resume only when fans can be in attendance. Surveyed 1,000 people age 18 and older. 65% are ready for sports, even if there are no fans in the stands. Isn't I'm surprised the number wasn't dub? like 95%. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> totally agree with you. <laughs> really? That's yeah. your standard? Because I've watched some college football games where there weren't very many people there. Still football. I still watched it. I'll take it. Well, when you're watching on television, who cares how many people are there? You're watching on television. News broke late in our show yesterday. You broke it yesterday, PK, just as it was uh, sweeping. News was sweeping uh, social media. Hall of Fame coach Don Shula passed away at the age of 90. 347 career wins, two Super Bowl victories, six trips to the Super Bowl spread across three decades, and the only perfect season in NFL history. 17-0 17 and 0 back in 1972. A legendary career. We were coming up uh, yesterday, we had a little time to try to come up with a list. Vince Lombardi, Bill Belichick. Lombardi didn't have as long a career, but guy coached nine years. He won five titles in a seven year span. Five out of the nine years he coached, he was the NFL champion. First two Super Bowls, the trophy's named after him. And now Belichick's over 300 wins, and he has six Super Bowl wins. So if you're looking for the Mount Rushmore coaches, those guys plus George Hallis, I'm good. I'll take it. Those four. Well, yeah. see, I don't necessarily need uh, longevity. I've talked about it, how you have to have it. I mean, if you have it, it's great. But you look at the influences of a Bill Walsh, say. I don't know what his numbers were. But I know he had a dramatic influence on the on the, the game of football, not just obviously the 49ers organization, but literally the game of football. And if he wanted to, he probably could have stayed. And would Seifert get one more with Steve Young? And probably Walsh could have gotten that. So I think you got to consider some other guys too, even if they may not have the longevity or career numbers, but during their time, and their time has to be of some degree. It just can't be a season and a half. Uh, probably if you're great for a season and a half, you're going to have some time anyway. But, you know, you start getting uh, over five, six, seven, eight years. Uh, I think you got to consider them, too. I think his uh, the length of his career was uh, similar to Vince Lombardi. You know, the, when I mentioned Hallis and Shula, I mean, those guys coached for decades. Yeah. And, and Belichick's yeah, yeah. got 
coming up on 25 years as a head coach, right? Because he had the time oh, yeah, in Cleveland, yeah, yeah. I too. Mean, he certainly belongs on anybody's list, that's for sure. And I think you need to consider somebody like Parcells, and I'm biased toward him, certainly. But you look at the fact that he won at multiple places. Free agent running back Marshawn Lynch said his agent has been in discussions with the Seahawks. Lynch is 34, and he said, well, it's almost uh, expect the unexpected. As far as right now, I'm going to keep it solid. My agent's been in talks with Seattle, so like I said, we'll see what happens. If it works out and I get back up there, it is what it is. And if not, bleep, I'm looking good. So I ain't really tripping too much. Uh, he, he never do trip, that's for sure, you know. And if he doesn't get picked up, then it isn't what it isn't. An excellent point. It is what it is, and then if it doesn't happen, it isn't what it isn't. I like yeah. that. We need to use that more. <laughs> There'll be plenty of opportunities because people love the old phrase, it is what it is. <laughs> and it also isn't what it isn't. That's going to fit like a glove. We're going down that road, no doubt about it. Uh, Carson Wentz said he's not concerned by the franchise drafting Oklahoma and Alabama standout quarterback Jalen Hurts in the second round. I came to Philly ever since being drafted. All I've wanted to do is win and stand up there and hold that Lombardi trophy. Whatever that takes, whatever that looks like, I'm on board, Wentz said in a teleconference with reporters. I'm a competitor. I want to be out there. I want to have the ball in my hands. We all do. But at the same time, whatever's going to help us win. I'm confident the coaches and everyone are going to put us in the best situation. Will Jalen Hurts be used like Taysom Hill, a change of pace quarterback? It's going to be a special package, special play, so someone can get in there and run around and drive the defense nuts. No, I don't think he's good enough. I mean, he may be a better overall quarterback than Taysom Hill. That remains to be seen. I mean, he's certainly accomplished more. But at the same time, is he an athlete to the level of Taysom Hill? No, but it's really anybody. Is any quarterback in the NFL an athlete to the level of Taysom Hill? I mean, you have to look at it. That's a very, very small list. You know, Lamar Jackson had a very nice season, an MVP caliber season. So certainly he would come to mind. But beyond that, just the raw athleticism that Taysom Hill possesses, I mean, that's no knock on Jalen Hurts, but I don't see Hurts being able to do what Hill did. I'm not sure Hill or uh, uh, Jalen Hurts would want that because you know, I have my doubts that Taysom Hill is a starting quarterback. I mean, I mean, everyone should have their doubts because he isn't a starting quarterback. And until he is, it, it, it isn't what it isn't. Nice. Well played. <laughs> I think the thing that, that Hill has, I think there are guys who can run the way he runs, but they can't run at the size he runs at. And I think that's a big factor when you're getting blasted by NFL linebackers. Now, we all know that Taysom got hurt in college a lot, but he has been durable in the pros. And that that is hard to do. I think there are guys that could be plugged in a quarterback and they could run and put that package in. I just think they'd get hurt in a second. I don't know that there's that many who can run like he can run. I would disagree with that completely. <laughs> there's there's less than one handful that can run that can do a dead sprint like he get against Texas and have a high hurdles and not miss a stride. Yeah, I don't know, man. I haven't seen that very often. DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. Women's flag football will become a varsity sport at NAIA schools by next year under a two-year partnership with the NFL and its NFL flag arm to sponsor sports for the first time under a collegiate athletics association. The NAIA will host its first showcase open to female football athletes in late summer or early fall. First competitive season will be next spring, and the NAIA will host an emerging sport or invitational championship in the spring of 2022. Women's flag football to NAIA schools. Didn't see that one coming. Hadn't heard anything about that. It's great. Coming to a TV near you. NAIA isn't usually on TV, but I bet this will be. DJ and PK. Hashtag college basketball. University of Louisville received a notice of allegations from the NCAA on Monday, including one level one allegation involving improper recruiting offers for former signee Brian Bowen II and the coach of another prospect and three level two allegations, including one against 
former basketball coach Rick Pitino, who's now at Iona. Louisville is also accused of failing to adequately monitor the recruitment of an incoming high-profile student-athlete. Man, by the time I was reading that, I was pretty confused about what they did. I assume they paid players. But we got to have a notice of allegations of improper recruiting offers. That just means they paid players, right? I suppose. And it's Patino, so who knows? Once we get to the new rules and it's okay for athletes to earn money off campus, isn't that where all the illegal money gets funneled? And so then it's all clean, so then we're all done with this? No. No. We're all done with <laughs> No. It's not just going to be a total free-for-all. You can do whatever you want, whenever you want, however you want. No. There's going to be some guidelines and people, whatever rule, it's like you want to eliminate the plays, at, the fo- close plays at first base, you move the bag back. All you've done is just create a new set of problems. I ain't sure that some of it will be eliminated, but to say all we're done, we're done with all of it? No. I guess for schools that are charged with... Uh Providing uh, sexual favors to players. Yeah, but if they're favors, I mean, that's the, what's wrong? It's a favor. I could do you a favor. What's wrong with that? They're minors. It'll still be embarrassing. It'll still be a problem. That's the kind Louisville of thing like... had strippers in a dorm. Right. That's the kind of thing I think you're right. That there, A lot of it, a lot of the money will be clean under the new rules. So a lot of it will go away. But you're right. Stuff like that will still be an issue. You like BYU scheduling San Diego State home and home 2021, 21, 22 seasons? No, I think it's outrageous. It's the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. Well, I thought maybe you were hoping for a higher, <laughs> a bigger name. It's the kind of game they've been able to schedule in the past, but we've heard of them talking about uh, bringing in, you know, trying to get blue bloods. That's an NCAA tournament team regularly and has been for a number of years. That would, is a blue blood. Would have been a one or two seed. I think, but see, I think it's familiar to people. It's not the same as if you get Louisville, Kentucky, Duke, Carolina, somebody like that. Okay, fine. So what? It's still a great program that's been in the NCAs for a number of years. I mean, what more would you possibly want? Yes, and and it's cheaper to travel. These schools ought to be doing this. This should be the new. I've been saying it for years. Quit getting on a plane and flying to the Bahamas for some dumb reason. Schedule teams that are far more regionally in terms of being localized. You save money, and that's a great program. These two teams should be playing every single year. People will come out. People will come out in Provo. People will come out in San Diego. Of course they will. When they opened the new arena, they were still in the same conference, and they scheduled BYU as the first home game because they wanted the biggest crowd. I chatted up Tony Gwynn in the media room before the game. Of course they should be playing these two teams every single year. Have a Boise-like football contract. It only makes complete total sense. There's absolutely no downside to it. Ah, one of those 12-year deals, huh? Just lock them down. It should be a 100-year deal. (laughs) Yes, they should be playing all the time. It would benefit both programs, and both programs are pretty good, and one has been in the NCAAs to the point of just regular. Nobody bats an eyelash now. San Diego State is in the NCAs, and they got 15 transfers running around. It's what they do, and they do it rather well. DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. ESPN is going to be televising baseball from South Korea. Six nights a week. The season opener between the NC Dinos Samsung Lions was on air late last night, early this morning. The Dinos winning four zip. Six regular season games a week. You ready for some baseball from Korea? Absolutely. I've already been online this morning ordering some gear. More hats for your collection. Who's your team? The Dinos, he just said it. We're undefeated, man. Oh, there you go. Got a shutout. I think this is our year. (laughs) All right, we'll be updating you on the South Korea baseball standings in the future, so look forward to that. Well, I think that, you know, let's make fun of it, but over the long term, we've seen a number of great players come over from Japan, right? And there's been a few from Korea, and maybe as that league develops... Uh, you could see, and it's not going to be overnight, obviously, but in time, you know, we're going to see some Korean players. Now, we've had a few. Chan Ho Park comes to mind. Uh, Conger, the guy played for the uh, Angels. They've been out there, and maybe there'll be more, and they'll be 
uh, to the point of, well, nobody really bats an eyelash on that either because if you're really good in that league, that means you're really good. And that's the way I look at it with Japan now. If you're a superstar in Japan, I just assume you're really good because a number of kids who've come over, whether they be youngsters or they be later in their careers, they've made that transition. And, you know, it used to be somewhat of an oddity, but it's not an oddity now. You just think, wow, man, if you you fill in your favorite team, whether it's the Dodgers, the Angels, the Padres, the Giants, whoever it might be, and you're thinking, man, and they, they signed somebody from Japan, you start to wonder, okay, I mean, obviously Otani. I mean, the, the kid's got star written all over him. And maybe that's something that could happen in the Korean League as it gets more and more developed. And maybe this could be a shot in the arm for them. I mean, it's on, an obviously, a strange time of day to be watching it. But maybe that'll be more of an alternative and it'll, the league will grow. Well, we've heard from European basketball players about NBA games being on kind of the same time in Europe that we're seeing this baseball here, you know, with games starting at 11 or 1 or whatever. And we heard of a generation of NBA players from Europe watching that, and now we don't bat an eye when a kid comes over, Rudy Gobert comes over for France, or Joe Ingles from Australia, because he played in Spain. We don't even bat an eye, so maybe it won't be just Japan, and there'll be more from Korea and Taiwan and wherever else. It's not, as you throw out the Padres out there, it's not like they couldn't use a little help. And you don't have to come over and be a star. Come over and be a pretty good player. Come over and be another arm in the bullpen. Well, what you're saying is you don't have to be a star to be in my lineup. Exactly. There you go. (laughs) We'll leave it there. What is Trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. Receive a free reverse osmosis system with the purchase of any water softener at Shamrock Plumbing. 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. All right, PK, you were talking college football recruiting. USC is piling up the four-star recruits. Ryan Abraham, uscfootball.com, is going to be here at 8.30. Jay Drew, BYU football writer for the D News at 9 o'clock. Stay with us, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Let's go! The Big Show. It's a big deal! With Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Are you a good actor? Uh, yeah, I acted in numerous plays. Give us a play and a part. I was in a play called The Octopus's Garden. And I... False. Yes, I played the part of the okay. octopus. And you played the octopus. It was a comedic role. Knocked that out of the park. You were so full of crap. <laughs> I did. Came so, down to me and Meryl Streep and poor Meryl. She got tree number two. You can at least tell us a real play. Oh, I played Conrad Birdie and Bye Bye no. Birdie or something. Don't give me... I played the octopus in no, Octopus's I, Garden. No, no, no you did it. It's true. And I helped write the play. Okay, that's it. The Big Show. Weekdays from 2 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hot Texas Toast is brought to you by Master Electrical Services. Master Electrical always open during this challenging time. Call them at 801-543-2222 for upfront pricing and your satisfaction guaranteed. Master Electrical Services will light up your day. Question of the morning. USC football, favored to win the South next season, already has commitments from seven four-star prospects after signing only two last year. Did the Utes miss their best chance to win the Pac-12 last season? There is a decent chance that there is some truth to that, PK, but I can't 100% go out on the limb and tell you there is. You look at Kyle Whittingham, He's been there 15 years. If you break him into three-year cycles, five of them, he keeps getting better. Last year was an excellent chance. How often are you going to have seven draft picks and a senior quarterback? That was a great chance to win the Pac-12 title. But under the theory that that program keeps improving in these, not, not year to year, but they cycle through. They have to rebuild. They don't get to reload, but they do rebuild. And every three years has been better than the three-year cycle before. Can they get even better? Hard to believe they're going to top seven NFL draft picks and a senior quarterback. But I can't 100% 100 rule it out. What? They're going to have a senior quarterback this year. Right, but are they going to have seven draft picks? It's not just a senior quarterback. It's a senior quarterback who's been starting for three years. You can have a senior quarterback if you want, but that doesn't mean anything. He's got to be a starter who has the ability under uh, that particular offensive scheme, in that scheme, to do well, and that's what Huntley had. But it's not about Utah. That's the whole point. It has very little to do with Utah. They, they can get as good as they can get better every single year for the next 50 years and go over 50 
So it, that's the whole point. It's about SC. It's not about Utah. Clay Helton's been there, what, four years now? She got four under his belt? I don't know. He had a partial year at the start, so uh, four and a half. I think four full years. And he's won the division once. And I think that partial year he won it, that's how he got it. So two out of five. So I'm not going to say he's going to lock it down on a Pete Carroll-type run. I think when you see those numbers, the seven four-star prospects, you start thinking, oh boy, here they go. Yeah. But he's five years in and he hasn't gone on that kind of run, so... I'm not. I'm not sure he's going to lock it down now. Well, great. He doesn't lock it down. Meanwhile, Cristobal does, and you still don't win the thing. True story. Fear Oregon more than USC? No. USC has too many built-in advantages. If they get it going, look out. Even Oregon will fear them. Yeah, I mean they're the top dogs. And to overcome them, you have to have a series of things break your way. And it has to be right because they could have a down season and you're not at the top of your game. So it's not like, and I love Kyle as much as the next guy, but it's not like the program is invincible. So it's just very, very difficult to win this conference for anyone. And if you're not named SC or Oregon, it's doubly difficult. So, yeah, I can argue for the foreseeable future, for the rest of Kyle's tenure, that this was his best chance. And so now it's just going to be exponentially tougher going forward. Todd says, yes, I believe they missed it. Not saying we still can't win it, but I only see USC getting tougher and tougher. Yeah, things have to go your way. And you look at it, this year they got worked by uh, Oregon. And last year they had an excuse. They don't use injuries as excuses, but then they'll tell you, well, they didn't have their quarterback and their running back. You know, it's like we don't, they don't use injuries. And then I asked Morgan about uh, why did they stumble so much, particularly in the bowl game, and he went to injuries <laughs> in the secondary. Defensively, they did have injuries. But you can't say you don't use them as excuses, but then you bring them up. That's sort of inconsistent there. Uh, but I look at not this past season because Oregon worked them. I mean, there's, they, they were ready to go, and they got worked. And it wasn't some referees' calls. Oregon just beat you. And if you come up with any other excuse or reason as to why you lost that game outside of Oregon was simply better, you're lying to yourself. I don't think anybody can argue with that. The year before, when they were having a backup quarterback who they moved and he eventually transferred, I never thought he was that going to be a starting quarterback anyway in, in Shelley. He was for a short time, and then they didn't have uh, Zach Moss. That was their best chance because they were right there with Washington, and they held Washington scoreless, their offense. And Chris Peterson had no faith in the kicker, and they kept going for it and not making it. So that, you can argue, not this past season, but the season before, was a phenomenal chance. It was right there on a platter for you to get it done. And you couldn't get it done. Now, and, and I also argue if you would have had Hunley and Moss, you probably do get it done. But you didn't. Uh, and you didn't get it done. So you come close. There's a theory of, you know, if you still knock on the door, eventually the door's going to be open. Or yeah, you had a couple of chances and you didn't get it done. Now, how long are you going to have to wait? I mean, Arizona had the desert swarm. Had a great chance. And I've had a couple of chances since then. Rich Rod had them winning the division, and then they fall off. Now, I don't anticipate this program falling off to the level of Arizona because I don't think that uh, Kyle Whittingham's going to run around with his shirt off and with his secretary and do all the nonsense <laughs> that Rich Rod did. Uh, although, if anybody should be running around with their shirt off, shirt off it should be Kyle. No, oh, Kyle. Kyle's all about the Cavs anyway. It's all about <laughs> well, the Cavs. But the, he exposes the Cavs anyway. That, they're already exposed. So that's a given. you got to add to it. You know, if you have ice cream every day, eventually you want something else in addition to ice cream. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, I'm just picturing, just picturing <laughs> Helen ruling the office. All right, put your shirt on, Cowboy. That's enough of that. See, Richard didn't have her to yell at him. See, Kyle is so solid. 
that he's never going to do anything stupid. It's just not in his DNA. The man is as solid a person and as far as being a coach as anybody I've ever been around. Anybody. You name it. And I've been around all sorts of coaches from high school all the way to the top of the pros. Lavelle all Edwards. fame coaches. Yeah, he's just as solid. <laughs> he is. Yeah, well, then I'm done. <laughs> so you know he's not going to do anything stupid. It's just not going to happen. And he doesn't even pop off anymore. He's got that under control. You know what I mean? He used to do stuff occasionally, very rarely, but he'd get all worked up about stuff that didn't matter. Graphics and, on the front of the Salt Lake Tribune sports page. I saw it with my own eyes. Going after Joe Glenn. Yes, you know. that was a classic. The onside but kick. He doesn't, he, doesn't, he doesn't do any of that stuff anymore. The guy is as solid as they come. So do I think that they don't have any chance? Absolutely not. They've got, right now, what, what was that thing you t- retweeted? A 30% chance of winning the division, and SC basically had a, a, a high 50s, and everybody else was either 2% or lower, the other four teams. right? USC but, was 61.5. Utah was 30.3. So combined, that is 91.8. Yes, right. and everyone else is. UCLA had a 4% chance. Your okay, Devils four. had a 3 Yeah, so. okay. So those two, and then the other two have basically zero. <laughs> so, and that's the ESPN's football power index. Whoever they come up with that, I don't know, nor will I ever find out. I don't care. Uh, so they're, they're, they're going to have a, a, a 30% chance in what is viewed as a rebuilding year. That's pretty good. So it's impossible to say, or ridiculous even, to say, oh, they, they've got no shot. But you can argue that these last two years – might have been their best chance because SC, here's what they did. They get, you know, in terms of the star ranking, they had two for this prior class. Well, then they overhauled the staff. That, that, that's part of the deal, too. They brought in a bunch of new coaches. And there's a guy, a guy named Dante Williams who they got from Oregon who has been, when he was at San Jose State, was ranked in the top ten uh, assistant coaches for recruiting. He's a cornerbacks coach, right? So he comes down from Oregon, and he makes these bold statements. We're going to take back what was rightfully ours. He's still up in Oregon, I think, because of the situation, but you're not recruiting in person anymore. And he's working around the clock and making a difference because now in May, at a time that is really in flux, they nailed down seven four stars. Now, whether they commit or not, two things. If they actually well, if they stay committed and sign and then are they good? Just because you have a ranking doesn't necessarily mean that you're good. Particularly because you start recruiting soon enough, they're going to start recruiting the class of 22, and so you can bring in somebody who's better than the kid who was all that coming into the class of 21. So whether these all seven get on the field and star remains to be seen. Football is a number game. You know, you need a bunch of them. But I think that's been, at least from our perspective up here, has been an underreported story for SC as far as Helton making changes on the coaching staff with the intent. This was specifically why he made these changes was to beef up the recruiting. And they addressed the problem immediately right after the – Signing dates, which now December has taken priority over February. So they make these changes immediately, and it is paying dividends. And what does it mean? Well, in my mind, it means SC, which really didn't slump last year. I mean, they didn't have the big SC season, but they didn't have a bad football season by any stretch. Now has an opportunity to reclaim what has been theirs. I don't know if it's rightfully theirs, but it has been theirs. It's an interesting strategy, you know, you know the old line, if you can't beat them, join them, right? And that's the whole Kevin Durant story and why everyone gets all fired up. But now what we have is, hey, if you can't beat him, hire him away. If he's costing you a lot of recruits and a lot of skids to leave in Southern California for Oregon, then Clay Helton, go get that coach. And he went and got Dante Williams. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. funny, we think coaches and X's and O's, but it's a strategic move. That guy's he's killing us in recruiting. Well, <clears throat> we're going to take him then. Well, that's more important than, or can be, you know, particularly uh, what, your, what your coaching staff is made of. 
I mean, if there's any defensive deficiencies in X's and O's in Utah's program, well, I know a guy who can take care of that. His name's Kyle Whittingham. He didn't need to take care of it because they've got good coaches who are doing what they're supposed to be doing. Scally knows his stuff. But if there's a problem, I can jump in there and and do that. And we saw that with Kalani this past season, too. I think you know, it didn't get as much run because it's a sensitive issue. But, uh, you know, I think that it has been done where he's more involved in that. You need your guys to get players. You know, good coaches are made by good players. And the sooner you accept that, not just accept it, but embrace it, that that's going to be the deal that's going to allow you be most successful is getting as many studs in your program as you can possibly get. That's the utmost important thing. And that's why recruiting is literally every day. Coaching is not every day, but recruiting is every day. And Dante Williams goes into that in a story in the LA Times talking about yep. he's got more time than ever and he's just yep. texting people. Not just texting the kid, but f- in recruiting you always try to find the, the person around the kid. It w- doesn't matter if it's mom, dad, high school coach, uncle, grandparent, cousin, whatever. Text them all. So somebody typed in Dante Williams and an LA Times story came up, huh? No, actually I typed in USC recruiting and that Dante Williams story came up. But close. Not bad. And look what else has happened. Yuck's got a smile on his face. Rick the Dishwasher. It has been a minute. Rick the Dishwasher is back. Rick, good morning. What's going on, guys? All right, Rick. Have the youths whiffed on their best chances? Their best chance or best chances? The youths will overperform this year. There's no expectations on them. With expectations, they're horrendous. Um, and I think they'll be able to recruit even better in California now that USC's, you know, they may reload pretty well. But Whittingham, I like having Whittingham. You're right. His, he has a formula that he started in college football, which is just recruit, recruit six QBs and convert once four of them see, hey, there's no way I'm playing quarterback Division One level, throw them on the defense. Because in high school, 75% of your best athletes are on offense. So that's a group. Never had a good offense. He takes a good running back and beats him into the ground. Look at the last five. Beat Moss into the ground. Became predictable and beatable. One back offense. Run on fourth down. Run, run, run. Same thing with Booker. Same thing with Wolf. Same thing with the guy before. They were all hurt and slowed. And and he doesn't recruit any talent there. And he has some kind of influence over these zillions of offensive coordinators where he's so old school and conservative. You know, we're going to beat the teams we're supposed to beat. We're going to lose the expectation game, and we're going to lose in the end. Still good to watch, though. I love watching the defenses. And you're right, PK, about he is a good, balanced I can see him being a good recruiter, too. But he, he should capitalize now that USC's down. Yeah, all right. Thanks for the call, man. Uh, that, that's what I'm saying, that your time is now. Can you get it done? Cause not, and, but in, in, in terms of the division and competing with SC, even though they didn't beat him this year, they did get it done because it's a compilation of all nine games. So they have won the South. So they've beaten – it's kind of strange to say that they've beaten SC when they didn't. But they finished first. But then you got the other guy on the other side that you got to worry about too in, the, in this new uh, 10 years now, not as quite as new, uh, division system and setup. So it's hard to do. It's very, very hard to do. Uh, and you can look at it. You know, there, there is truth that the expectation game, he got over the hump on that in November, but then the December, the last two Decembers, they're 0-4. Although I will say, and Kurt Kreitlarp, I've got to give him credit, brought this to my attention and everyone's attention. Uh, I think he said it at a, one of those Monday press conferences. 
the loser in the Pac-12 title game oh, for, is 0 for 9. Yep. <laughs> There's, you, that's not a fluke. No, but I think you and I were both at the, at the bowl game this year, and you could really feel it. Like, there was this focus and intensity because they had this goal. And then you get to this bowl game, and it's like, well, what's the goal? The goal was to win the conference. And if you win the conference, then you want to win the Rose Bowl or the bowl game. But all of a sudden, you get into the consolation side of the season. It's not like in other years where they've gone bowling and they've lost early, but they've been playing well at the end, and then they've got an opponent they want to beat to show they really are a good team. It's like you just missed out on what everything was pointed at. Yeah. So now what is this? And I think that's why teams are 0-9. Because yeah. it's been the Utes last two times, and we know how much it means to the fan base in the school to prove they belong in the Pac-12 by winning the Pac-12. But whether it was Arizona the year they lost, ASU the year they lost, USC's lost in the Pac-12 title game, all those teams are like, this is the goal! Now what is this thing over here? Right, and you get this close to Pasadena right. January 1, and they're the Rose Bowl. I don't care where you grow up. The Rose Bowl, just saying the Rose Bowl means something. And if it doesn't, you're an idiot. It is the granddaddy for a reason. And it's better than all the other bowls. It's better than the Sugar Bowl. It's better than the Fiesta Bowl. It is just awesome. To have your team run out on that stadium grass January 1 at 1.30 in the afternoon local time with the sun shining off the mountains there, it's, it's, it's just the ultimate. And I had a f- good fortune of experiencing it once. I've been there other times when my when my team wasn't there. But the one time that the Devils were there, I was just a fan. Although I did get a media credential so I can get parking. But uh, I did not uh, cover the game. I just went as a fan. And it's sensational. And then you don't have that. And, you know, what, really, what's the difference between 11 wins and 12 wins? <laughs> 12, 12 is better than 11. It's not that much better, really. And they did have a bunch of injuries this year, uh, this past season. I will give them a little bit of a pass. And I actually felt the uh, Holiday Bowl, I felt that there was far less enthusiasm for the game than I felt this past season. Having been at both games leading up to the game, I felt that the the, uh, Holiday Bowl was really a go-through-the-emotions type deal. And it showed uh, it really did show, and it showed to an extent here uh, against Texas. And Texas is all fired up. I mean, it's basically a home game. You know, it's 70 miles down the road. And it just in, in the amount of people in the stands, you could see it. Uh, was, and they just got blitzed by that. So I give them a little bit of a pass on those two games as far as being 0 for 4, 0 for 2. And, I, and I, I'm starting to make excuses myself here. You know, the first time in the title game, they, they didn't have their full guys. But this past season against Oregon, I can't really give them any excuse. Well, that of the four games, that's the one where they had their guys. Exactly. That's the one that and, – and they weren't – it's not like they were close to winning that game. You know, I mean, no, I don't, not really. I don't I mean, care. I don't a care. little bit of a flourish. Yeah, I, mean, I don't care how much bit. red you were wearing on the night. As you were watching that game, you're like, this is trouble. Right, this and you just trouble. had a, three weeks before, two weeks before – Oregon lays an egg, lays an egg against uh, the Devils. Mm-hmm. So it's not like they were invincible, and that was their only conference loss, right? Uh, because they had the one uh, all Auburn. Auburn. Started, and yeah. uh, although uh, to me, that's why I desperately want to see these uh, Power Fives get automatic bids. Because I think if you go eight and one in your conference, and then you destroy the other team that wins the other division, you ought to be in. And if you were to play Chico State instead of Oregon, I mean Auburn, you would have been in. So it's ridiculous. That, to me, and obviously I follow the Pac-12 far closer than any other conference that I follow, you should be able to get one loss by three points. It wasn't like they got smoked. Now they were down and then they had a big comeback, but they still lost the game. I, I want to say it was 31-28. Okay, so you being a Pac-12 homer here, or do you feel like when Baylor and TCU had their one-loss seasons and got left out, one of them should have been in? Well, I don't remember what the circumstances were relative to the other teams that were in it. But all I know is historically, if Alabama loses or, or one of those teams lose, they do get in. They do get in, yeah. Yeah. And so, in my mind, 
the Pac-12 is far more balanced than those other conferences. So you go into Tempe, and that's the most recent example, so we'll use it, and it's sold-out stadium. And you got a you got an NFL receiver, a first round draft choice, no less, who beats you deep, right? Because the uh, the Ducks had come roaring back in that game, and it was like it was a third and sixteen, I think, on the play call, and they had all the momentum. And what an NFL receiver beats you deep, a first round draft choice beats you deep, and you're going to be penalized. Nope, you're out. Now because they'd already lost that other game, that puts them out with two losses which you can debate that, go with the easier schedule. Why, why schedule up? Well, what are you going to do there? So my point is, you know, you get an NFL receiver and I, you beat you deep for one play, boom, you lose the game, and all of a sudden you're out. It just seems so stupid. It doesn't, it doesn't quite seem what it should be because the balance of the conference, we've seen it repeatedly, is somebody down low or in the middle, the Devils were in the middle, they can beat you. It happens. Right? It happens. I mean, Utah, if they if Utah wouldn't have gotten in last year, would have been an absolute tragedy. A travesty is a better word, not tragedy. Tragedies are tra- tragedies. Travesty. They lose one game on the road to SC by what? What was the final there? Help me out. I don't remember it, but it was close. I'll have to look right? it up. I don't remember either. Yeah, and uh, and and they got beat over the top by whom? NFL receivers. <laughs> Come on. The great equalizer, baby. <laughs> yeah, Pittman. Where, where did Pittman go, Yach? He went in the second round, didn't he? Correct. He's going to yeah. Indianapolis. It's going to be yeah. cool. Right. So, you get, so this team's got good players, man. You get Oregon gets beat over the top by a first-round pick. Utah gets beat over the top by a second-round pick. 30-23, it was a one-score game. Yeah, that's what I thought it was. It wasn't quite as close as the Devils and the Ducks, but it was still you know, pretty close. And you're out? In my mind, and I'm a Pac-12 homer, so I'm fully biased is on the table. But that seems so ridiculous. But yet, if the Utes would have beaten Oregon, I don't know that they get in. Maybe they do, maybe they don't. That was my whole argument that I was making is I didn't trust the system to reward the Pac-12. A bunch of Ute fans went at me big time and acted like I was saying that they don't deserve to be in, they should never right. be in, and if they're a bunch of crap, why would they even be considered? I'm not what's-his-face, Pine, uh, Feinbaum, was, is that his name? Yeah. Feinbaum? Utah? It, because they're Utah. We'll bleep you, <laughs> Feinbaum, because you're Feinbaum. That's ridiculous. They just put in seven guys, seven guys in the NFL, and he goes on national TV last year and just totally dismisses them as if they're some dog. All politics, t- all politics are yeah. local, and he's an SEC guy. Right. Well, I'm a Pac-12 guy. And so I feel the need to step up for those guys. They end up with seven guys plus another five guys, right? That's what it was? That's not the burger chain. It's the number of guys who signed free agency contracts. Did they get five guys? Double-check that. Is that. I think that's what they got, right? Yeah, I think Correct. you're right. Seven drafted, five free agent deals. Yeah. Yeah. Well, to be a, to get a free agent deal, you got to be halfway decent in the NFL. I I think, you know, you may not make the team, but you still got to be halfway decent that teams want to bring you aboard. So, and you're telling me that oh, Utah, you're just going to summarily dismiss them? Yeah. Screw you, fine bomb. DJ and PK when we come back, what were you watching and then John Pessa, author of Yogi, A Life Behind the Mask. He's at 8 o'clock. Ryan Abraham from USC Football at 8.30. And BYU football writer Jay Drew at 9 o'clock. Stay with us. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. You ever think you could have been a competitive eater? No. Take the structure out of it. I could eat a half gallon ice cream right now. Okay, how quick? In uh, 20 minutes. That's one segment, Lloyd. Are we ready to do this on the air? Now? The thing is, it's just not my thing anymore. You just threw it out there that you could eat a half gallon ice cream in 20 minutes. Yeah, well, you could jump on a donkey naked and ride it. But But it's not your thing anymore. Is it your thing? Do you want to do it? Okay, how many mozzarella sticks could you eat? In one sitting. In 
in one sitting in 20 minutes. Probably 20. I've got a half gallon of ice cream in front of me, and Scotty's got 20 mozzarella sticks in front of him. Who finishes first? Do either one of us finish? And Lloyd's got a donkey. (laughs) Hanson Scotty. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. What'd you watch last night, PK? Yeah. I had on the DVR an hour of uh, Arnold Palmer Golf Channel profile, Arnold Palmer, The Legacy. Now, I got to say it was a three-parter, and the other parts were good, but The Legacy part turned out to be all of Arnold's pop culture stuff. Okay, it was impressive. He was a rock star before rock stars were a thing, but there was so little golf. It was, uh, I watched about half of it, and I just stopped. It was like, okay, he took a lot of photographs with a lot of presidents and a lot of models and a lot of TV stars. I just, I don't know that I needed an hour of that. It turned out half an hour was more than enough. Was Elvis a rock star in your mind? Yes. Was he the first rock star? Yes. I mean, I wasn't alive. I wasn't alive then, but in my mind, yes. I'm wondering if he had any pictures with Elvis. Well, not in the half I saw, in the half hour I saw. I don't know what came in the other half hour. But there were, he had a picture with Sinatra, I can tell you that. He had a picture with Sinatra. It was movie stars, it was TV. He had a picture with Johnny Carson, you know, doing the Carson show. He had pictures with other movie stars, presidents back to Eisenhower. I didn't see a picture of him with JFK, but I, uh, Nixon, Ford... Reagan, both Bushes, Clinton. I mean, it, yeah, it was, uh, it was impressive. He hung out with a lot of stars. So two Bushes, but not JFK. I didn't, I didn't see a JFK picture in the, in the montage. They were going by really fast, but I didn't see one. I didn't see a Lyndon Johnson either. That just indicates the level of celebrity that Arnold Palmer had. Massive. That was Which pretty was very clear. impressive, yeah. Yeah, it was massive celebrity, but that's really what it was. So... That, uh, that didn't do it for me as much. I did hit NBA TV last night, and it seems like anything that is Jordan-related, like one night ESPN has a 30-for-30 30 30 on the bad boys, and they're going into the whole walk-off-the-court thing, and then this one was on, the, uh, this was on NBA TV, and it was the Olympics, and they were going into all the uh, stuff, and they had an interview with Pippen that was kind of funny, where he was more than willing, did you not want Isaiah on the team? Yeah, I didn't want him on the team. Did MJ not want him on the team? Pause. Big smile. Well, I don't want to speak for Michael. Pause. I don't think he wanted him on the team. (laughs) It was kind of funny. But it seems like with the success of the Jordan thing, everyone's trotting out anything they've got that's even semi-related to uh, anything from that era. Olympics, bad boys, whatever you got. Run it out right now. If there's a link, it's good. Air it. Yeah, well, we realize we can't really just pound on the Jerry Krause thing because he's dead. At least Isaiah, we can pound on him and give him an opportunity to uh, respond. And the same thing with Lambeer because he's willing to do interviews. And he's I think he's still coaching in the WNBA. He's been coaching in the WNBA for a long time. I think he's down in Vegas now. Uh, so, And he's willing to speak his mind. And Isaiah, we've just painted him as the ultimate uh, pariah. And my gosh, does Isaiah have any friends in the world? Uh, you know, Michael Wilbon backtracked on that because he'd been on social media saying, don't put it on Jordan, nine of the 12 Said guys. Nine, guys yeah. nine of the 12 guys on that dream team did not want him on the team. And I'm figuring Christian Leitner had no opinion, so that's one. And then he came out on uh, Twitter yesterday and said, uh, my apologies to Isaiah. It's been made clear to me that the number was not. As high as nine. Now, he didn't say whether the number was really seven or five or three. Did you see the running meme, though, once he said that? No, I didn't. What was that? Nine is all that matters. Michael Jordan wears number nine for Team USA in the dream team. (laughs) Well, Leitner did have an opinion, and it it was, to no coincidence, it exactly mirrored what Michael Jordan thought. So, sure. I'm with that guy. (laughs) Yeah. I I think it was a joke. I think it was an absolute joke. They didn't like him because he played aggressive style ball and he took stuff from them. And Stockton was no threat. And that's just the reality of it. To to Jordan, anyway. Wasn't wasn't a threat to Jordan uh, at that time. Later on, became a threat. 
obviously, but by 1992 was zero threat. You're playing them twice a year. Who cares? You barely even remember the games. Uh, so, but nevertheless, sure, yeah. That that this the timing of this is just unbelievable. You know, and I've heard people talk about how. A lot of people, uh, depending on how current you are, how whatever your age is, not how current you are, but whatever your age is, you're going to think LeBron is better than MJ. Well, I've also heard here in LeBron's time, MJ manages to upstage him. <laughs> I did see that. Uh, Scott Van Pelt had Mark Jackson on. And Mark Jackson, obviously, was at the peak of his career in the 90s and brought up. He, he doesn't really like looking at all the old MJ clips because he says, well, my teams were in game seven with him twice. We were right there. The Knicks in 92 and then in 98, the Pacers. He says, in the case of the Pacers, we were up by three with six minutes to go. We were right there, and it didn't get done. He said, I don't really want to watch that stuff and, and relive it. He said he talked to Reggie a few months ago, and they both talked about uh, something that happened recently that made him think about it. You know, And he says there's stuff that happens all the time that makes you think about it based on you know who you see or what clip gets shown or who you're talking to. There's stuff that just brings it up all the time to think you know Jordan was the guy. And if he hadn't won six, if he'd won five, he'd still be the guy. But you could have taken him. You could have been the one outlier who took him down, and you were right there and didn't didn't get across the finish line. Well, there was and then there was seven teams or six teams because the Jazz had it twice that could have been the outlier and didn't get it done. Right. Well, I think that he yes, but he points out that they were in game sevens and nobody in the finals got to a game seven. Uh, Jordan Jordan didn't get pushed to seven very often. Well, yeah, but they also got him when he was 30-some years old as opposed to being much younger. So let's not go crazy and act like the Indiana Pacers had the greatest accomplishment against the Bulls. Who's to say if it would have been reversed and the Pacers would have got him in 91, he wouldn't have swept them. Come on. Well, he in 92, the Knicks did have him in Game 7. So that wasn't end-of-the-career Jordan right there in 92. That was, that was still prime Jordan. And the Knicks were very good then. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Coming up next, John Pessa, author of Yogi, A Life Behind the Mask. We'll talk with him about Yogi Bear at 8 o'clock. Ryan Abraham, uscfootball.com at 8.30. He's the Trojans' real in four-star recruits. Join Tom from the warehouse on the Big Show Friday. He'll be calling in all show long with great deals from the Orem location of the warehouse. Don't miss those calls. They're always fantastic. Boom! Tom from the warehouse. Stay with us.